Hello, hello, and welcome back to Unverified, the podcast helping you redefine success on social media. I'm your host, Corley Trigger, and if we haven't met yet, hey, it's nice to meet you. Thanks for being here. I'm an Emmy-winning creator and digital consultant, and I'm here to talk about all things social media and digital marketing with a little twist, and that is, I don't care how many followers you have, and I know that sounds unusual, but hear me out. I don't care how big your audience is because for brands and businesses, social media platforms are tools that can be used in a hundred different ways for a hundred different reasons. That's why I make a conscious effort to turn away from digital vanity numbers in favor of focusing on real life goals that digital strategy can support. That's my style anyway. Today's episode is all about the intersection of television news and social media, how reporters use social media, how you can get the attention of reporters, and of course, lessons from internet trolls and people who disagree with you. And joining me today is my dear friend, Matthew Torres. He is a regional Edward R. Murrow and Emmy award-winning general assignments reporter at WUSA 9 in Washington, D.C. He has covered major political events, natural disasters, high-profile trials, and done award-winning in-depth work highlighting the opioid crisis. His digital goals now are all about how to reach new followers in D.C. after reporting in Nashville for six years and finding the balance of being a professional and being a human online. More with Matthew Torres right after this. Today's episode of Unverified is being brought to you from the heart of East Nashville at the Russell, a historic church transformed into a -a one-of-a-kind boutique hotel. The Russell's mission is to give back to the Nashville community through their Rooms for Rooms program. They donate a portion of every stay to local organizations that provide a safe haven for those in need in the Nashville community. Visit russellnashville.com to book your experience today. Welcome to the show, Matthew Torres. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) It's so fun to have you here. Oh my gosh, there are so many things that we can talk about uh, with the intersection of television news and reporting and the internet. Maybe let's just start with how you use social media as a reporter day to day. You know, social media is just part of your day as a reporter whether that's finding stories, whether that's communicating your stories, whether you're connecting with people through social media, people you're trying to find an interview with, it's, it's part of your day every day. That's just how it is nowadays with news. And when you, so when you open your phone at work, where are you going first? I'm going first to what's my email. Let's start with that. Okay. Um, yep. what, am, what did I miss out on? What's the big news that just happened overnight while I was asleep, while I wasn't paying attention? Then I go to Twitter, being in DC. DC is a huge Twitter town. Same thing, kind of catching up. What happened? What is trending here in the city? What are people talking about? And then from there, I just kind of go about my day. That's just how, how I really start my morning is just to catch up on what has happened and whether it's my work email, but primarily it's really um, social media because that's where you start um, seeing where the buzz is, what's generating among neighborhoods and people. And so that's how I typically start my day with social media. Do you have certain accounts that are flagged or that you get notifications from? 
Uh, I don't flag it because there's so much notifications already with breaking news alerts from our apps and all of that. So I don't need yeah. any more notifications. <laughs> I do kind of have with certain people, whether that's council members, whether that's particular departments, uh, just to see what they're saying. Because again, uh, people here are very, very active on Twitter. And it's just easy to see what uh, people are thinking, what issues are arising, uh, what's something of concern that people want addressed. And people here are not afraid to reach out to those who may make a change or have a decision-making process on Twitter or on social media. So it's uh, it's kind of easy to be able to track what people are really upset about. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, you are no stranger to people disagreeing with you loudly <laughs> on the internet. What uh, mm-hmm. what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from either internet trolls or people who just straight up disagree with you? Don't engage. Do not engage. Don't <laughs> engage. <laughs> well, that's actually how we were always taught. I think nowadays, though, um, with personalities on TV, they are finding their voice of being able to respond back, clap back, so to speak, but mm-hmm. not um, lose that professionalism. And that's something I'm still figuring out. Um, I'm not there yet per se. I just like to kind of keep it again. If even though someone may not agree with what you're saying, even though you're factually correct, it's something you can't control and something I just won't engage or add more energy or fire to. There's one example to where someone disagreed with what I said and it flared up into something more because people started sharing it and I just chose not to respond because I just, at the end of the day, I just know the story will speak itself. I know what I did was fair. The story I produced and put together was correct. It's just, you cannot control people's emotions. You just can't, but what you can do is how you can control yours and how maybe you can navigate the conversation surrounding your story. But nowadays though, with other reporters, whether that's someone a really rude viewer commenting about someone's looks. You know, you have female reporters particularly who are calling them out on social media for behavior that's just flat out rude and um, unnecessary. And that to me is one example of how they're able to respond, but also put it where there's almost a cause uh, of being able to say, hey, your behavior is wrong and we're calling that out. So when for you does it feel appropriate to be social on social media? Um, it's a tricky balance. And I there are reporters who can do it very well to where they can show their whole life, whether that's whatever they're eating or the events that they're going to and all of that. And some companies are actually very strict with what you post on social media. I know mine is like, you know, if you're going to post uh, a food you ate at the restaurant, you got to put hashtag not an ad. Oh, Therefore, yeah. you know, there's still that journalistic, um, you know, unbiased to where you're not like as if you're getting paid to put this picture up. Right. Yes. It's it's a lot easier for someone who is just who is an influencer or built their following on social and has a business to post about their day than it is for a reporter that has, you know, you've signed a code of ethics. Yeah. Essentially, because, you know, there's always a conversation and reporters, you know, they'll admit it or not. It's like, yeah, they can be social media influencers, 
whether they're posting a new outfit or they're going to a new <laughs> restaurant. It's like, it's like how their Instagram, Twitter, how it's framed, it matches how it is for any other social media influencer. And by all means, because reporters, we can talk, we all start thinking, well, that's kind of crossing the balance, the line of, well, what are you? Are you a reporter or are you a social media influencer? And I think we're hitting a point to where it's like we it's like a fine balance now. Because yes, and there are news directors who like the social media presence because they know that will gain traction and hopefully that will draw people into the stories, into the news, into the newscast, you know. Mm-hmm. They're hoping that the personality being paid off will also mean viewership. Let's be real, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's where it's like, that's where the personality also comes in. But sometimes I'm like, come on, you know, I know people who've taken pictures of that outfit in advance with the photographer and then posting it on Instagram as if, (laughs) you know, like any other social media influencer would. It's, that's just like the reality of where we're living in now. It's like, what do we, it's like, how do you, how do you do it? And that's why the question of how much personality do you put in where you're still a reporter. And nowadays we are in a generation, there are kids become not kids, excuse me. There are people becoming journalists who were raised around the social media world. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, it's like, it was only on the come up mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was going to school. <laughs> so it's like, it's, there is, there's clearly with the younger journalists, more comfortability and more confidence in doing that on social media. Do you have any pet peeves about what reporters do that is like too influency? Um, I don't know. Let's start with like thirst traps. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, those are pretty cringy you know, regardless of industry, but yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, come on. We know what you we know what why you're doing that. We know what you're doing that for. Believe me, we all like the attention. We all mm. like the adoration on mm. social media. Sure, let's be real. <laughs> um, but I I think though you just got to for me, I guess I feel old school saying that because people my age or even older will probably say the same thing. They're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe she or he posted that. But then, you know, I talked to people younger and it's like, that's what they were always surrounded by and being taught. So it's like, it's, it's interesting. I don't have an answer because at the end of the day, it all intertwines, it all connects and it all pays off in some way, mm-hmm. whether that's more credibility or more likes and more <laughs> people wanting or more people wanting to connect with you because of what you posted. So it's like, and yeah, it's de- interesting. Depending on what that reporter's personal goals are, it might be just perfect. I think that's what it is. I think that's the goals. But, but you know, there, you know, we talk again. We talk, but it's always we always say like, does she want to be a reporter, or does he want to be a reporter, or does he want to be an influencer? You know, <laughs> and so yeah. But that could just be my old school way of thinking. Uh-huh. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, millennials, we're getting up there. <laughs> we're, we're yeah, we're getting up there. Um, but it is amazing. It is amazing what it's. I guess how people embrace social media. But it is one thing to show your personality a lot on social media, 
But then it's another when it's like you got a free goodie bag because of your Instagram. Sure. You know, now to me, now to me, that becomes a little skewed. Have you ever had moments where um, comments about what people look like or what they're wearing um, kind of, to me, fall into this general kind of troll category? But have you ever had discussions about stories from people who had different perspectives that made you either want to, not necessarily as extreme as issuing a retraction, but maybe adding more information or doing a follow-up story? Totally. Yes. I will admit that um, there are, okay, let's start with this. You know, sometimes we are just so fast with our fingers and it turned out to be like, there's so much more to the story, but you're just like putting it out there so fast, which is just, again, a learning lesson with social media. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific example. Um, I haven't retracted. Oh yeah. You know what? I have said, Hey, correction. It's actually this, or maybe it was the wrong street or it was the wrong name even. Um, Mm -hmm. or, it's just social media it, when it comes to news, not just like with reporters, but like web editors and what you post out there. You just have to be so careful. You have to double look, triple look at what you're posting out there. My correction is typically like I tweet so fast and I have a misspelling. And of course, the one misspelling out of all my tweets is the one that gained the most traction, you know, <laughs> or mm-hmm. or there's like a grammar error into it because you're like in the middle of a trial and you're like, of course, the one that the one tweet that does so well, it's like (laughs) wrong to read. Um, But I've had, you know, I know people who have um, posted the wrong picture of the, someone who died Um, or just pictures. There's something about pictures. It's like what you're putting out there, make sure it like aligns with the headline that it's not like telling a different story. You know, and I know people who had to backtrack uh, certain things. Um, yeah, there's just there's just so much. What kind of safety nets are in place to protect y'all? You mentioned web producers um, are, are multiple mm-hmm. people. I mean, your personal accounts, I would imagine you're just putting stuff out there. But are there people at the station that are double checking? Are there digital producers or web producers or social? I don't know what you would call it in in the newsroom, but is somebody, how many people are double checking what's going out? So whenever we tweet something, obviously we tag our station. And so the people who work digitally will see those tweets. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I tweeted something again, we were at the scene and I just, you know, it was crazy. And I tweeted something and I did not realize like in the background, it was uh, graffiti with like expletives all over it. Oh God. Um, so, you know, I get a message or like, um, it, it was really, really bad. Actually. It's not just expletives. <laughs> so they're like, either, you know, say something, Hey, we're out in the scene. This is what it is. Or just take it down because it, at that point it was just so new of a tweet, but sometimes they're very busy. Sometimes they are very busy and no one can see what is said until maybe you look back and you're like, Oh, or I can add on to this or I need more context. But our, our company, our station is really good at like hammering the point. If you're going to post something, especially of a controversial topic, make sure you put some context into it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's their biggest, that's the biggest thing too. You're not just, you know, fanning the flames to stoke even more emotion. You want to be able to, 
uh, provide some context, like the insurrection that day of. I remember they, they hammered that point. It's already a politically charged environment. Let's add more, let's add more facts, information into it. Mm. What was that like? Yeah, I want to talk about that. The insurrection's going on. You guys are are watching it and you're getting ready to go cover it. What is what is the pep talk from your news director in terms of social specifically? In terms of social, um, get what you can through social, but do not put your lives at risk. It sounds crazy, but yeah, it's like safety first. Get what you can. And the big thing is with any big events, social, digital will come in. They're like, all right, as soon as you get to the scene, send pictures, send videos. Let's start populating um, our feeds with things that people might want to see, you know, with what's happening at the scene, especially when it's such a big, big event. And that's what, you know, catches people's attention. And then from there, it's like, from there, how you communicate with the people back in the newsroom when you're out on the field is what you tweet. It's like, all right, we're getting the latest information from his tweets. It's like, cause it's at that point, it's so hard to just be calling people, writing emails, you know, or writing through teams or whatever app that you use. It's just yeah. easier, you know, hitting two birds with one stone when you can just tweet the information and then they can see it back there as far as whatever the new information is. And, um, I mean, I mean, I shot a lot of video of crazy video at the insurrection of people scaling walls, people surrounding other reporters, yelling at them, people destroying equipment. Um, it was just bananas. And to have that on my phone to say, wow, I captured history, even though it was through my phone. Um, it's, it's something to really look back at. I think that's really interesting using Twitter in the field as a way to communicate with your news station, not just you mm-hmm. and the news station together, you know, communicating to your audience. And well, especially when it's such a fast paced environment, yeah. you have no time. All you have is your phone. <laughs> and so, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's just easier that way. And they can see it then and there, or I'll just start texting my executive producer or someone saying, Hey, check my tweets. Mm-hmm. And therefore, because because the station has so much more followers, they retweet it. And then in a, in a sense, you start getting followers that way. Which is more important, your TV audience or your social media audience? Ooh, interesting. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we are still TV news reporters. So I would like to say my TV audience. Uh, that's that's what I'm geared towards. But the, our job is now we are also content creators for social mm-hmm. media. So as much as, as I'd like to say TV, nowadays you have to do both. It has to be both. It's so easy on social media to create echo chambers, right? Social platforms are motivated by keeping their users on as long as possible to collect as much data as possible to sell it to advertisers. So their only interest is keeping people on and they do that by showing people what they want to see. As a reporter, mm-hmm. you are actively trying to get the most unbiased story you can. How do you make sure that you are engaging with and seeing content from people with different ideologies than your own? You know? As far as following, I love that you said that because, yeah, we are in D.C., which is a very liberal city. Mm-hmm. That's a given. But I, I do follow conservative minds as well as super um uh, republican voices as well because yeah 
you do there's still we all still live in the same community mm-hmm. not everyone will have the same opinion and i do follow even newspapers that uh or news outlets that gear that slant towards one or the other because it helps put perspective like me when i watch cable news you know if i'm watching cnn it's always interesting to watch fox news or msnbc because how this topic is being covered varies <laughs> from mm-hmm. from each network and but it helps me kind of formulate my own um thoughts about the story uh, that's super important and yeah and reminding ourselves that it's not just who we're following on social media it's also what what tv shows we're watching and what news programs we're watching mm-hmm. too you know the people who the people who disagree and express it on social media are the people who just for me are the people who just don't like your story because they disagree with it for mm-hmm. whatever personal reason that's something i can't change it's something i can't put my a whole lot of energy because at the end of the day what we put out there what i put out there is right it's just because it differs from your own beliefs or opinion then you feel like you have to put it out there mm-hmm. whether that's vaccine politics all of that stuff um mm-hmm. for me it's more about finding out um finding stories from marginalized communities those who feel like they cannot have a voice that to me is far more important because and then that's when you start following organizations who deal with certain things um mm. i remember someone saying we feel like this particular neighborhood is not being covered enough because it's not in the mecca of dc it's more in the outskirts it's more primarily minorities it's you know less income low income and from there it's easy to just call the the people who have influence whether that's the commissioners pastors organizations embedded in that community mm. that to me it's like all right that's how you can like expand and diversify mm-hmm. your feed and your coverage as a reporter as well it's easy i'm in the middle of a busy neighborhood in dc it's easy to find stories here but because there's a lot of people around people come to this neighborhood it's the idea of like all right what's out there and so that to me it's it's not necessarily the disagreement part it's the people who feel like um i can't have anyone to agree with because there's no stories out there about me or about my situation yeah more about more about representation i love that yeah totally it really even though we are we do find ourselves in echo chambers you're in you know a little bit of a unique position in that people are always telling you their stories and are always wanting attention and coverage. Mm -hmm. Um, But for people who want Mm -hmm. to break out of their echo chambers, um, I love that idea of, of looking at what your neighboring community is sharing. Um, I think that's a really, totally. I'm going to have to do that. I like, I just got to check myself every once in a while, you know, it's like, Ooh, I haven't disagreed with a video in a while. I gotta, (laughs) I gotta expand what, what I'm following. Um, so on this podcast, I talk a lot about redefining success on social media. It's not just about how many followers you have. It's not just about going viral. Um, it's not just about being verified. Obviously all those things help, um, to get the attention of reporters, but how can they get your attention? Are there other success metrics? What else are you looking for? Okay. First off, um, as reporters, we don't like sales pitches where mm. it's like, we have this new thing. We have this new thing 
it's like a new re- it's like that's not not everything will be covered because it really isn't news worthy mm-hmm. to me it's like what we look for is it's like what we do how we tell our stories or how we uncover news it's not necessarily like a new restaurant or this business it's what's happening what's the next layer there needs to be a human element or component to it um there needs to be a timeliness to it, something that ties in. I remember interviewing someone who owned a barber shop. It's this new barber shop that he was doing. So he wanted kind of coverage about the barber shop in this kind of neighborhood. It's a new business. I said, we don't do that. We're not sales. We don't advertise. Mm-hmm. But tell me more. Like, what's the story? What is the story? Mm. There's no necessarily a metric to it. Because any good story doesn't need to be popular or viral on social whatsoever. It could just be a comment that someone said. It could just be a post that someone said. I I remember someone messaged me on social media, a story about a bride who just left her ceremony and who happened to be a paramedic um, in her dress, witnessed an accident and in her dress helped save the people (laughs) in the car. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like there's there has to be some type of pull. There's some timeliness. There needs to be. It's like what's the story? And I go back to the barber shop, and I know this is a long-winded answer, but and then he tells me, "Well, you know, I built this because, um, you know, his he told me about his life struggling. He was a gun violence victim. I was like, okay, perfect. There is more to. There's more meat." to the story. So when something crazy happened in that neighborhood, I went to talk to him and talk about his barbershop, how, you know, what a crazy turn of events for his life to be an owner of this business, knowing his past, you know, and then we tie that in with the crazy crimes that just happened outside of his business. We can wrap around a story because there's a human element to it. Mm. Sometimes, honestly, the craziest details can also be <laughs> what captures our attention. Unverified is supported by Doodle Different, a little book of places to start. With unique drawing prompts and hashtags on each page, Doodle Different is the place where offline creativity meets online community. It's a celebration of imagination. Get your copy or digital download on doodledifferent.com and use the code UNVERIFIED for 15% off. That's unverified, like the name of this podcast, for 15% off at doodledifferent.com. Happy doodling. Okay, so I promised we could flip the script, so let's do that. What questions do you have about social media? Well, A, what's the number one question? Is like, how do you gain more followers? But <laughs> uh-huh. um, for me, though, it's it's really doing that, but... Um, it's DC still a relatively new city for me. Um, I started working in December and it's the idea of tapping in. How do you gain an audience here as reporter when there are so many other reporters in DC, but that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out moving from a city that you've been in for years and just know the people and know the community so, so well. And then coming here, it's like, uh, you're starting you're starting fresh. Uh, again, I'm, I'm getting help from like retweets from the station, but it's like, how do you consistently do that? Oh, that's interesting. I, yeah. Cause you had a really long time to build a decent following in Nashville. And as a 
local reporter, your audience really does need to be aligned geographically, unlike other professions where somebody's just, you know, buying from your Etsy shop and it doesn't matter where you're shipping from, (laughs) you know, they're just like a fan of what you're doing. So I wonder, I think what might be an interesting strategy for you is kind of like a, an active listening strategy. You know, people often perceive reporters as people who are talking and sharing and people to follow. But you know that you spend a lot of your day reaching out to people and interviewing them and listening to stories. And I wonder how much of that listening you can share um, or call for on Twitter. Like you're talking about connecting with these commissioners in uh towns outside of D.C. that maybe aren't getting as much coverage. What kind of open-ended questions can you direct to like neighborhood hashtags saying, hey, I'm a new reporter. What do I need to know about your neighborhood? Or who, you know, who's your most inspiring teacher? You like throw in pluggers for the fluff pieces that you know that are going to happen every once a week or once a month or whatever those franchises are, you know, the inspiring teacher, the the nurse, the whoever it is, the, the American hero type stories. What can you put out there that people would respond to and make it more of a conversation? So all of those phone calls that you're making to people to introduce yourself, to say, hey, I'm you know new in the city, new at this station, want to talk about this, want to learn about that. How, how many of those interactions can you have like in addition in a digital space um, or instead of on a digital in a digital space um, and look at, you know, who the commissioners are following and those organizations and tweeting at organizations. Hey, who's your um, like, do you have an like somebody that you want to celebrate or somebody that you um, a great story of a family that you supported recently or, you know, the holidays are coming up. What are ways that people are supporting their own communities? What are give back things? What are causes that you can, if you're not necessarily going to do a story about it, what can you retweet? What can you, can you put together? And this is more work for you, but can you put together like, you know, lists of where people can donate locally or top 10 things, which <laughs> you're probably cringing. This is more of a BuzzFeed kind of thing. Top 10 things that, um, you know, food banks want you to know about donations this fall or this, this holiday season, like the, you know, People need can openers. And if you're going to do mac and cheese, you also Mm. need like um, like powdered butter and milk and things to to, like make it work. Um, Things like that that you can share with in the community that it's not necessarily, you know, going to be your A block breaking news story. But how can you be a good Samaritan uh, as part? partially like yourself as a human being who just cares about the community and partially as that, you know, professional reporter, that kind of Venn diagram of, of that overlap and doing it in, in a digital space. Okay. Like finding moments to connect to the community and sharing that outside of the normal (laughs) day-to-day reporter. Yeah, absolutely. Life. You you follow an organization that highlighted somebody cool. You just reply and say congratulations. Really simple. You don't have to cover it. You don't have to do whatever. But just being part of the conversation, other people will see. Mm-hmm. Because you making a single call to a commissioner saying, hey, I'm new. 
what's going on? How can we connect? Here's my info. If anything comes up, like I want to be able to support and tell stories. That's a great thing to do. And then if you mention at the end of the call, hey, I'm also going to put this online. So if any of your followers, if you want to retweet this to people so that your people know that they can reach out to me, that's great too. Because when it happens online, it is a one-to-one experience. You are reaching out to one person, but it becomes one-to-many because other people see it as well. Yeah. I feel like it goes into like, again, ex- maybe just expressing your personality more and just uh, who you are, but doing it in a digital platform. Yeah, absolutely. There are also, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'll, I would look into like maybe geotags for places, see what people are doing, saying, just engaging with, I mean, anything that's, that's happening in DC is kind of on brand for you. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Which kind of leads me into like the next question again of like, you know, we are still professionals at the end of the day. And I think reporters are doing such a good job of like being able to connect Mm -hmm. um, in the more personal level. And it could just be like a personality trait with people, but it's like how people are just able to share so much more of their lives of like even issues that they face. And for me, it's like, I guess it's a comfortability level of putting that out there. It's like, for me, it's finding that balance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. To me, it's like what's appropriate, what's not, or maybe better frame the question of like, what it's like, yeah, is it, is it worth putting it out there and still being professional, but I want to still show my personality. (laughs) That's such a convoluted question. You have a little bit of an advantage here because you're a reporter and people are often very willing to share things with you. But for people who are not in that position, I have this conversation a lot of reminding them that whatever, however vulnerable they want to be online, that's how vulnerable their audience is going to be with them. So... Mm. You don't have to share everything about every part of your life. Please don't. I don't think anybody's everything of everything needs to be on the internet. But whatever you do want to share and whatever you do want to go deep on, know that you're allowing someone else to meet you at that place. So it, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be everything, but maybe it's maybe it's a few things. And honestly, if you like you mentioned a funny like traffic tweet. I wouldn't let this be the only part of your personality, but you could regularly (laughs) tweet traffic memes like that could just be a thing that you do. You always have an opinion about traffic, (laughs) you know, which sounds silly, but it's something to engage with people on. Um, Maybe make a list of every everything that makes you who you are and pick Mm. a pick a few that you wouldn't mind sharing with people. You know, you have a lot of great pictures of your naturalization yeah. ceremony. Um, you're Asian, you're Filipino. There's a lot of mm-hmm. cultural stuff there that you can connect with people on. What are little like communities that you already belong to in your real life that naturally overlap? Yeah. Right. You do a lot of you. You were a part of I don't know. If, are you still doing it? The like Asian news conference? Yeah. The AHAA. That feels like a natural overlap. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's like the communities that you're already a part of, like be a voice to that and express your feelings. And frankly, my fellow Asian journalists have done an outstanding job ever since the anti-Asian 
um, hate crimes happening in the country, they have just yeah. been such a beacon of light as voices and mm-hmm. have been able to share their own personal journey. I think it's the, for me, it's just being more vulnerable when it allows to be vulnerable, when the opportunity presents itself. And by the way, Uh, this doesn't mean that you have to share your deepest, darkest secrets or like, you know, preach at the pulpit of traffic in D.C. or whatever the subject is. You can also curate that content. You know, I I think for reporters, it's you it's easy to get stuck in this like I have to report. I have to share my thing. I have to whatever. But you are allowed to treat your news feed as your own news show and bring in whatever segments you want like retweets. So what is, you know, what are some of these Asian journalists that you admire um, saying? And how can you maybe not necessarily, you don't even necessarily have to think about how you want to say it in your own words. You can just retweet them. You can just show them love. You can, so thinking about social, not just in terms of things that you can produce and spend all Mm -hmm. that time and energy reporting on, by the way, it can be a place for you to to share things uh, that inspire you, that make you laugh, that made you feel seen, heard, understood, celebrated in some way. You can then you can share that. And then all of a sudden, people in in D.C. or your new followers, people know that you are not only a great source of local news, you're also a place where people can go to get really great information about XYZ. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think it's it's putting the intention behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Just pick I a, do like that. Pick a few words. Just put them on a sticky note and say, you know, while you're scrolling through your personal feed, if it happens to fall under, you know, a few categories, great. Retweet it. You know, make it make it easy for yourself. Yeah. Just to start that way. I love that we're talking about Twitter so much, but again, that's DC. It's like, I I say that it's just all about Twitter. But it's also, but that's also true in the news community, right? Any reporter that I talk to is always Twitter. And I'm like, oh my God, that's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. You're not, yeah, you're not lying there. So what are your feelings about TikTok? Is that going to be next for you? (laughs) I say that with like, um, look, I know TikTok's the thing and I know TikTok's <laughs> is, is highly entertaining, mm-hmm. but I just already have three social media accounts on my, I'm on my phone a lot. I just don't, I don't need something. This is my thing. I don't need to add any more, but at the same time, um, I just feel like I'm going to miss out on like a societal thing. I don't know. <laughs> so if you're not on TikTok or you're going to miss out on real life, if you are on TikTok. Right. As if I'm going to, as if like TikTok is going to be the next Facebook and me not having TikTok, I will lose a, being part of society. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like of what the future of society might look like, you know, but I've just, I'm, I'm ref- right now. I am very, I'm refusing to get TikTok. I just, Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of work to create content or it just seems like you're going to get into this black hole of like being so entertained with videos that three hours later, it's like, whoa, what happened to your day? <laughs> I mean, 
that's, you know, you're not giving yourself a lot of credit in the self-control department. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> the app is designed to be addictive. All social platforms are. The one thing that I will say, I mean, listen, I've, I've been on my TikTok soapbox in probably almost every one of these episodes. But even if it doesn't last forever, you're still going to retain those followers. Um, the reason why TikTok has, well, one of the reasons why TikTok has been able to blow up the way that it has is that they've made, um, is that they're, they're very good at showing people exactly what they want to see. And for you, if you're using a bunch of DC hashtags and all of your stuff is related to DC and your news stuff, you're going to find people really quickly and people are going to find you quickly because TikTok's going to put your videos in front of people who are most likely to engage with it. So it's not like just, you know, throwing it out on Twitter with a DC hashtag and just whoever happens to be looking at the DC hashtag when you post will see it. This is like it's going to go to people who who are interested in news content or DC content or or whatever you're talking about. You already yeah. have such a built in niche um, and TikTok is upping the ante on the fame lottery. And what I mean by that is it is right now one of the fastest ways to gain followers. Um, and that's part of what makes TikTok so attractive. So if you're interested in growing, you know, that audience quickly, um, I think TikTok would be really interesting for you. And there are a lot of fun there are a lot of fun news people on TikTok. I think particularly- I know, like I know there's there's an anchor who does so well on, uh, uh, She it's not news, it's just her personality that she like po pokes fun at news people. It's great. Mm -hmm. uh, a reporter of mine started, a friend of, reporter friend of mine started like just doing quick, about her stories, like doing quick videos on TikTok about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone's gravitating towards it. <laughs> yeah. I listen, I am all I am I am so game to talk about TikTok strategy whenever you're feeling it. But it's it's definitely one of those, you know, sooner is is better than later on on any of those kinds of new platforms. I feel like I have to get rid of well, I can't get rid of no, see, I can't get rid of Instagram because mm -hmm. that's my playground. I can't get rid of Facebook because for news I need it. Mm -hmm. And Twitter, obviously. Yeah. Okay. We can discuss later. That's for sure. I'm entertaining this. I'm entertaining the idea. Listen, that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> You're good at this. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> okay. I want to be mindful of time. How, how are you feeling? Are you ready to go capture the attention of more people in DC on social? Yeah. Look, I want to. <laughs> yes, I do. Convincing. I'm in DC. I'm yeah. in DC. Like I have to, I have to, and I have to do more. It's just finding that balance of like, all right. But I think you're right. There has to be some intention. There has to be some effort into it instead of just whatever, just posting whatever. It. There, mm -hmm. I, I think there is still a method to, even though it is what we do on a daily basis, there's still should be some method to it. Even just thinking about it, like you would, it's, it's so easy to forget when you're in a digital space that the usernames and numbers represent real people. You know, if you think about how you're actually making friends in real life in DC, it's not, you're not just waiting for people to come up to you on the street and say, hi, let's be friends. It's mm -hmm. you're actually, which is wonderful, you know, that, but you also need to 
go up to people and and start conversations. You don't necessarily have to, but you're going to meet a lot more people if you start introducing yourself too. And you can do that online. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Sounds like dating, but that's true. Yeah. (laughs) God. Yeah. Lower stakes. (laughs) But yeah. Okay. I like that. That's a good start. (laughs) (laughs) You got this tour. Um, Thank you so much for doing this podcast. I'm so glad you made the time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. To keep up with Matthew Torres, you can follow him on Twitter at news underscore M Torres and Instagram at Maddie Torres. I will include links to all of these in the show notes and on unverifiedpod.com. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show and hear more, first of all, thanks so much. (laughs) And second of all, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Consistent five-star ratings and written reviews tell podcast players that you like what we're doing and it helps boost podcast rankings. We'd also love to hang out with you on social at unverifiedpod. Anytime you interact with one of our posts, you're telling the social media platform that you like what we're doing and it'll send you more of it. At the same time, it will widen the reach of the post in general, and we really appreciate that. We're booking new guests, and I'd love to hear from you. Have a social media question or a digital specialty? Visit unverifiedpod.com and click be on the show. Unverified is produced by Trigger Creative and edited by Matt Fields, with special thanks to Zach Knudsen and Gwyn Rogers. Thanks for listening.